With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat here on MMAfighting.com. It's, of course, <coughs> as I cough, Wednesday, midday for me, still morning for Casey, early afternoon for all my listeners on the East Coast, and then I'm not even going to try to comprehend time zones anymore of the UK, Abu Dhabi, wherever everyone, and anyone is listening to this show. But thank you for joining us here on the A-Side. Shorty Torres is supposed to be here. He is currently stuck in traffic in the Dominican Republic. I'm sure I'll tell you all about it when he arrives. But he is supposed to be here. When he joins us, he will be thrown right in seamlessly. He's a pro, uh, pro fighter and pro bo- podcaster. So we'll get him in once he's available. But joining me this week, until he shows up, Mr. E. Casey Vine and Casey, how's Englewood? It's going okay. I think that's how the phrase go. It's all okay in Englewood. Englewood is fine. Fine, yeah. You know it's fine, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's starting to get winter here in Arizona. We had a blistering cold high of 82 yesterday. So I had to break out the winter park. I wish I wish that I wish that was a joke, but it's not people in Arizona find any reason to start wearing winter clothes. Yeah, it's it's 60. De- oops, it's, it's 60 degrees right now. So I have the fire on right now to stay warm. I'm wearing my, wearing my wearing my Jack Johnson roots of fight hoodie. So I had one of the one of the original line uh runs from uh roots of fight and the first one i got was jack johnson and it was back and remember when the old roots of fights they were made well but they weren't as made as well as they are now Mm because they weren't as professional yet this is probably like 2013 2014 so i now i have a shirt that says ack son like all the letters are gone (laughs) it says ack son uh and then it has galveston giant everything else but all my letters peeled off but i pretty much have that same sweater but anyway enough about sweaters unless you want to talk about sweaters this is of course the inside live chat you can ask us any question you want on twitter the site the youtube comments you can text me because people have done that before uh if you have my number you want us to talk about whatever but (laughs) without further ado casey what is our first question first question all right here we go from tan gwen tan gwen to 2013 on twitter how can the ufc get more people excited about the men's flyweight when they couldn't do it with demetrius johnson so yes i guess this is alluding to this weekend's pay-per-view ufc 255 between davis and figueredo ufc flyweight champ who puts his title on the line for the first time against alex perez former contender series uh, alum and winner obviously davis and figueredo was supposed to fight cody garbrandt so i think that was the big selling point uh, as Cody's obviously one of the more remarkable fighters and one of the fighters that the UFC really likes to push. Davis Figueredo is not one of those. If he had beaten Cody Garbrandt, he would probably have gotten the shine, but that's not the case. So, Casey, how can the UFC get more people excited about the men's 125-pound division when they couldn't do it with arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time when he ran to top that weight class? 
I have so many opinions on this, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, I feel like I've been, we've been getting. I, haven't we been asked the same question for the last ten years? It's, yes. It's, it's in. Yeah. I. I just. I feel like we're going in a loop. I don't. Um. I don't know, man. I, to me, I. I still think it's up to Dana White. Like, like, like he needs like. He needs to sit when he's watching fights instead of having Hams Hams at next to him. Have fucking have freaking Figueroa next to him. Have Joe Benavides on his shoulders. I don't know. Just like treat these guys like they're badass dudes rather than going like, hey, this little guy occasionally can knock someone out, you know, or something like that. I don't sure. know, man. Like you just you, you gotta you gotta treat these guys like they're top of the line fighters and not like. Like Brandon Roval and um the Brandon and Brandon um acting Brandon Roval versus a Moreno, that should be I think on the main card. You not not don't don't treat that fight not as a free fight. You get to watch on you know ESPN, but like these guys are so good, you're gonna you have to pay money to watch this fight, and like not just a championship fight, number one contender fight. And I think that's why you put it higher on the card because it gives it more value, because even though less people will watch it. They, it's a, it's a better experience because like you're you are paying money to watch this. These guys are so good. You are paying to watch it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. something like that. It's, uh, I don't know. It's like, I, th- I think the 125 pound division, specifically the men's, has had a lot of bad luck. Uh, I think it's a little f- combination of a few things. Demetrius Johnson is one of, if not the greatest fighters who ever lived. I'd probably put him top five in MMA history, not UFC history. He's obviously the greatest flyweight who ever lived. The problem, it's not a problem. It's that he wasn't this big, loud character that the UFC likes to push, like the Conor McGregor's, or even like Habib has a thing to him. Tony Ferguson has a thing to him. Like, that's why people aren't getting like lining up to watch Stipe fight because he's not this big, loud, boisterous person. And that's not a knock on the Misha Johnson whatsoever because I don't think that should be the be all end all of selling a fight. On the other side, he was supposed to be part of a lot of big cards. And for reasons that were out of his control, those plans were changed a lot. Like, he was supposed to be on UFC 177. He was the co-main event of Dillashaw Barrow 2 uh, after Dillashaw shocked the world. Barrow passed out, so then they had – or no, not that – so then there was a whole lot of shuffling there. So it ended up being Dillashaw versus um, Joe Soto. Soto. But before that, UFC 178 was supposed to be uh, DC versus John Jones 1 before DC pulled out. So then Demetrius Johnson got plucked from 177 to just headline a card he wasn't supposed to. You know who else was on that card? McGregor Poirier won, Romero Kennedy, Nunez and Gano, the return of Cruz, Eddie Alvarez debut. So pretty much everyone, and he fought Chris Carriasso. So the main event of that stacked card had Demetrius Johnson and Chris Carriasso at the top. Uh, and then he headlined a couple Fox cars, which is awesome. And he said he, he preferred those because he got uh, all the money from Xbox for being on free TV rather than a pay-per-view. He was, again, supposed to uh, be the co-main event of the Montreal card, which is, again, supposed to be Brow Dillashaw 2, before I think it was Dillashaw pulled out this time. So it ended up being Demetrius Johnson versus Horiguchi, which is an awesome fight, but, again, not the original main event. Uh, he did get to co-main event against – it was supposed to be, what, John Jones, DC 2 again, if I'm not mistaken, before DC pulled out. And it ended up being John Jones, Ovin St. Preux, rather than Jones, DC. So – Demetrius Johnson is getting these big marquee spots to get the rub from the people above him, and then stuff falls apart. Uh, I think even uh, he, he even headlined a, a co-main event. Was it um, – did he co-headline the Nunes Shevchenko 2 card in Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken? I might be yeah, mistaken. He, he, uh, he was – no, no. No, no, he was supposed to. No, that was he was supposed to main event. It was supposed to main yeah. main or co-main, co-main against uh, what's his name? Um, Ray Borg. Ray Borg, and then Ray, Ray Borg, Borg had problems. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's and not then about it. They, and then they moved it, and then they moved it to Vegas, and they stuck that in the co-main event for an interim lightweight fight between Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee. You know, I just realized. Um, actually, this is the problem. I just when you mentioned you mentioned all those fights and everything beforehand. What it was. And this is Dana. And this is Dana's prom. This is the UFC's prom. To make that flyweight division what people want it to be, they need to create a rivalry people care about. And they had it. They had the rivalry with Cejudo and Demetrius. They had it, and then they lost it. They for the first time you can have done Cejudo versus Demetrius Johnson three as a main event pay per view, and there will have been real hype, 
real trash talk, at least from Cejudo. Maybe I don't know how Demetrius would have gone I about think, it, but I think it, it would have been hard because Demetrius Johnson doesn't clap back at people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't but matter. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But you need, but yeah, yeah. you need a real rivalry. That would have been a true because it been one one. You had the Demetrius had a knee injury. I still thought Demetrius won the rematch, won the second fight, even with uh-huh. the, even with the knee injury. Um, I, I I do acknowledge it's a super close fight, and Cejudo could have taken it. I mean, if you think Cejudo not won the rock, second fight, not a rock, not, not a rock. It, it was a super close fight. I still had Demetrius winning it, even with the messed up knee. And you had an opportunity to have a true pay per view main event flyweight fight, real, real, you know, everything on the line. And the UFC, um, yeah, but they got Ben Askren instead. <laughs> and without Ben Askren, we don't get Jorge Masvidal. And and. <laughs> <laughs> you know that big argument everyone keeps saying it's funny yeah. even dana white was like people people complains that uh like people are like oh one championship won the trade and then one of the commenters was like yeah but they never would have gotten the five second knockout if they didn't make the trade and dana yeah. was like thank you yeah but they, i was yeah, like that was not i'm like dana white you did not trade for ben Askren thinking he'd get knocked, knocked out but yeah if you want but even want to play that game and you can go and you can that's that's just, that's a silly game to play. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. you can go go to the strike. You can go back to strike force. Well, if they didn't get because they they got Ben Askren. They got they got um, Mazarov in the strike yeah. force deal. You know, so yeah. yeah, we can go on and on. We um, never would have gotten Daniel Cormier if was yeah. Alistair Overeem didn't pull out of the tournament, the Grand yeah. Prix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Alistair Overeem. Um, but I think that's what's missing. Honestly, I think there's no rivalry. Um, maybe if uh, you know if. Yeah, hope maybe if Figueredo Perez is gonna be a great a great fight, maybe it creates a rivalry. I don't, I, I just don't think Alex Perez is that guy to create that rivalry, uh, at least at least as far as um, trash talk wise. But um, yeah, they don't, there's, no, there's no big rivalries at 25. Am I am I missing? Am I forgetting one? Like, no, not there's not there should there could have been. It could have been like even like uh, when they got been. rid of Horaguchi, you know, like Horaguchi's right there, you know. But yeah, so. The problem is Demetrius, like people would trash talk Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson wouldn't respond, and then he'd make you look foolish. So it'd be like, told you. Like, remember when Ray Borg talked a little bit of trash about his grappling, saying Chris Carriasso, and then Demetrius Johnson won? He's like, got him. And then he just like walked out. Like, that was it, which is cool. I like I liked that style of trash talking, but uh, I love, I love the, fights weren't, the fights weren't competitive. You know, but the, like when Anderson was rolling to the 85 I division, agree. people were complaining about Anderson. They were complaining about the middleweight division. Yeah. Middleweight division sucks because it's it's a and weird thing. They needed chill. Yeah, the, Anderson needed that chill. He, need, he needed Vitor. He needed that that rivalry. It would have been. It would have. It was set up perfectly. Anderson Silva's front kick KO was Demetrius Johnson's suplex armbar. Yeah, like greatest knockout, greatest submission in UFC history. Like if they're up, I know there's a big argument, but in my mind, like those are probably it's top five, yeah, top five. Um, and then the re- the rivalry with Cejudo was there, and then they didn't pull the trade. They obviously they they couldn't put the trade because trades happened and everything, and they booked uh, Cejudo against Marlon next. But was it Marlon? No, it was TJ. It was TJ in January on the first ESPN Plus card. So yeah, I agree with you. This, the 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 ingredients were there, it just didn't happen. All right. Well, that's a bummer. All right, let's go to the YouTube comments. From Tristan Gordet, another longtime commenter. Uh, what about, is that what WB means? Yeah, sure. What is WB? Brent Royval versus Brandon Moreno happening this Saturday for UFC 255 on the prelims. Do you think the winner gets a title shot? Or will the UFC still book Cody as being the next challenger? It'll be Cody. It'll 100% be Cody, I think. Dan White's already said it. Cody's already said it that whenever Cody returns – He'll probably get the flyweight title fight. Um, if it is Davidson Figueredo, I either honestly either. If Perez and Figueredo are such action fighters for the flyweight division, I actually do like Cody. It's not fair, but in terms of a national fight, I do like that for Cody versus either of those two guys. Uh, but in terms of what's fair, the winner of Brandon on Brandon should fight for the title next. Then you also have Manel Cape versus Pantoja. You got Asker Askarov out there. So there's a lot of things that need to happen. What I don't want to happen is Brandon on Brandon happens, and then they have to fight again. Like I, like they should get the title shot or the winner of Cody versus whoever. We don't know when Cody's coming back. Um, so if he's out for a long time, probably Brandon. Oh, I see Brandon Royval versus Brandon Moreno. There was just a uh, no space between W and 
and B in the question. Uh, so, yeah, Brandon on Brandon should be number one contender. It just probably isn't. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Um... I think it depends on how awesome that fight is. If Roval, 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 Roval and Moreno is a fight of the night, which I think it will be, who knows? Maybe it could. Maybe it could. Maybe um, Dana might feel lucky. We don't know how. We don't know how injured um, Cody really is. Um, so if the winner of the title fight wants a quick turnaround and everyone's yeah. ready to go in three months, maybe that might be the fight yeah. to run back. I think a lot of it. Is, I think a lot of it has to do with timing. But, yeah, um, I I agree. Also, people keep saying that the Brandon on Brandon fight is probably going to be the main event, uh, the the fight of the night. Figueredo Perez could easily be fight of the night too. Remember Figueredo versus Pantoja in Edmonton, the fight you and I were at. Mm-hmm. That fight ruled, and that was buried on the prelims. Yeah, so, that uh, and that still won. That was a that was a rare prelim that won fight of the but, night. But look, we're, we're 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 arguing right now which men's flyweight fight will be the fight of the night, and yet we're we're mm-hmm. also still talking about. Why don't people watch men's flyweights? You know, so it's just—it's a weird. I don't get it. Yeah, world's dumb. World is dumb. <laughs> From Roko Sladich on the YouTube comments, do you think that Kevin Holland has a real chance of beating Hermanson in December? Uh, he has a chance. I would heavily favor Jack Hermanson, uh, but Kevin Holland's been on a roll. Jack Hermanson, I don't think there's any question, has beat way better competition. Than Kevin Holland, like the win over Jacare, the win over Kelvin. He only, I think, his only his most recent loss was to Cannoneer uh, when he got knocked dead. So yeah, I heavily favor Jack Hermanson, who's been in a full camp preparing for Darren Till. Now it's Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland has had a lot of fights, and a lot of fights fall out, and a lot of opponent changes. But I heavily favor Jack Hermanson. Casey, uh, yeah, got favor Jack Hermanson, but Holland's the type a guy you just don't know that's what makes it that's what makes him an exciting fighter because you kind of see all this maybe untapped potential in his fights you you know you just kind of like man like this guy could be really good um and how old is how old is he's 28 so you know he's hitting his prime so uh maybe those previous losses we saw from holland was just him working his way up to his eventual prime yeah, and maybe that I shows think, up i think the a big issue that he's going to run into it, I was at his fight in Jacksonville, Kevin Holland. I cannot remember who he fought for the love of me, but he called out Mickey Gall for 170 pounds because, and like his reasoning was, A, he wouldn't mind going back to 170. And Kevin Holland's like, 
I'm not the best grappler and my submission skills and defense are not the best. So I want to throw myself into these fights that I'm uncomfortable with. You can't be a bad grappler and have bad submission defense and fight Jack or Manson. The dude will choke, grab your leg, grab your neck, grab your arm, grab anything. So again, with all that in mind, I heavily favor Jack or Manson. Kevin Holland is a bad dude. And if he wins, I think he'd be right near the top of my fighter of the year list. And but I think, we talked I, about that. Yeah. And I, think, I, th- I think, honestly, I think, I think Kevin Holland's a, uh, he is 6'3". I mean, okay, okay, never mind. I thought, I thought he was, um, I never actually stood no. next to Kevin Holland. So I thought he was more of a welterweight, just not cutting weight. I know he can cut the welterweight. He's like, uh, he's like Mickey Gall, where he looks like he should be a weight class below him, but he's so tall for the division. Yeah. That I think it just like, he's like, how tall is he? 6'2", 6'3"? Six, 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 yeah, 6'3". I was like, okay, he's 6'3". Yeah. That is, that is yeah. kind of hard to make. John Jones, is, John Jones is 6'4". Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think Kevin Holland at 185 is the place to be. Yeah, but um, but how how, tall, how big is Hermanson? Hermanson's got to be like, Hermanson's only 6'1", six, six but obviously he's wider. So I'm interested way in that wide. fight. Like, wait, yeah, he's yeah. a friend. <laughs> They do share a common opponent, and they've they've both lost to Thiago Santos at one eighty five. Yeah, dude, and Holland's fight versus Santos was awesome. He came in, he came in like a week's minute. notice. Yeah, and it was yeah, a really exciting fight. That. Yeah, that was the fight they got him in the UFC. Day. I forgot. Oh, yeah, man. because he taught all that greasiness on the Contender Series, and he annoyed Dana White so much that when they needed an opponent, they were like, "Throw him in there." And now he's like, "I I, I never understood that." Dana White's like, "We want trash talkers." Oh, that guy talks trash. Don't sign him. Whatever. I think Dana, Dana's argument was it wasn't the best fight, and he was still talking trash. And the dude's like, "Calm down." Well, was was he in the content, was he in the contender, the first season of the contender series? He was a very early contender. Oh series, yeah, ba- he was ba- back in the top. Ba- ba- back when you back when yeah when they were actually picky about who got the contract. If he if he if Kevin Holland was on this season's contender series, he would have got signed by the second round. He wouldn't even they wouldn't have to go into the fight. The early contender series fights in the tough gym was not as polished as it is now. Cause like, did you watch those early contender series fights? That actually, it was the first season. was the only one I watched after that. It, I, it I was watching it. Some of the fighters backstage that, cause like, man, you know how they all line them up and then they announce them like live on ESPN and like, yeah. they have like the, the, it's fine. It's whatever. Make a game show. Back, they didn't do that back. So like sometimes the media would be like, you didn't get the contract. Like, the media would have to break to the fighters. That's how unpolished it was in the early seasons. Well, but, well the UFC figured out that, oh, this makes this a game show rather than fights. Oh, wait, wait. We got someone. Someone's calling. Someone's calling in. Shorty. Hey, there he is. All right. My internet's really bad here, so <laughs> can you guys hear me or everything all good? We, you're crystal, man. Everything's good Yay. right now. Aces. Look at that. Shorty, we teased it. How's the traffic in the Dominican Republic? Dude, it is horrendous. Like, there's only two lanes. Everyone drives like a maniac. And <laughs> somehow there's no accidents. But, like, there are lights, but no one at all obeys them. No. It looks like it just, just they all treat them like yield signs. Like, people just go. And if you get hit, like, you get hit. That's it. And they just Sounds like Mexico. Going. Sounds like Mexico it's City. One, I feel like I'm getting... 100%. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to get hit by a car whenever I step out of my hotel there or family house. Anyway, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, you want to tell yeah, us why you're I'm, in the Dominican Republic? I'm literally all sweaty. I'm actually commentating. I'm I'm not the I'm not the play by play guy. I'm actually the color commentator. I've been upgraded, so I'm on, I'm on the spot here. But I'll be commentating for Fighting Force this weekend on Saturday as Electric Man heads the show, uh, making his debut, and I'm really, really excited for that because he is my manager, and I got to punch him in the face for this camp, so ah. I'm hoping, obviously, everything goes well. Um, and then on Sunday is Titan FC 65, so I'll be commentating mm-hmm. back-to-back for both shows, and I think I actually have two different guys. I have Rico Rodriguez as my commentator or co-host on Saturday, which was a UFC former champion, and then I have Ulysses Diaz, the guy who got the three-second KO in BKFC, commentating with me on Sunday. So I'm excited. And by the way, three seconds, it was more like two seconds. I saw it. Yeah, it was really like, <laughs> dude, and that's the crazy part. Like, uh, like it's so awesome to be like, dude, I got a two-second KO, but like, how does it feel about the other guy? Like, oh, I, I got feel- knocked out. It happens, but uh, two seconds, though. As a fighter, do you feel bad for 
when other fighters lose like within like 10 seconds 20 seconds i always feel because like to, to lose a fight before you even break a sweat i don't know i just think that's that's just so i don't know I, I, it's hard to watch the, the hardest bad. the hardest part the hardest part about the sport i'm pretty sure like we've seen ko's that have probably ended a little too quick or like mm-hmm. you know ended or, up happening a lot faster than expected it's one of those things that you can train your ass off to be the best in the world. You can have literally the best training camp in the world, but somehow you blink for one second, the guy just punches you and that's it. It's over. You know, or like Anderson Silva could be losing all four rounds, even all five rounds. Mm-hmm. And the last minute gets a triangle and wins a fight. The same thing with these KOs. So hell, I even feel bad reposting videos that I KO <laughs> people in. Cause I'm like, damn, I'm friends with all these guys. Uh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I gotta highlight myself. <laughs> Casey, what was the most heartbreaking sub minute knockout you can remember? I have my answer. Oh, um, like when I was just kind of like secretly rooting for a fighter and they just got demolished. Like, oh, you're muted. Something happened. The the scene oh. in the set. Sorry, I hit this one. The right. scene in the setting was a little emotional. Like for me, I always point to Mark Hominick when he walked out in Toronto. Mm. Was it after his after his coach passed uh, away? Yeah. And he yeah. walked out to I'm coming home and it was like just so sad. And everyone was like, let's go, Mark. This big, big emotional moment. And then he loses in seven seconds with the Korean zombie. Yeah, just pop out. Yeah. That was so oh, is that, oh, yeah, is like, that the one where like he he kind of like touched hands and was like just try to punch immediately? Yeah, he touched yeah, he, like, man. Touched- yeah. Yeah, he tried. He like touched, and then he tried to throw like this lead hook, missed, and the Korean Army just came in with a straight yeah, just, and just like just, erupted on his face, and then finished it off. It was it was a good stoppage at the time. People complained about it, but I do not think it was a bad stoppage at all. No, no. Whatever happened to Mark Hominick? Um, he retired after he lost to Pablo Garza. I know that, but I don't know what he's up to these days. Might be coaching. Yeah. Still. Might be coaching. Run. Yeah, he had a good run. He was an OG. He was an OG for sure. I think he had like 30 plus fights in a lower weight class back in the early 2000s. So it was like, he was an OG anyway. All right. Do you know, I'm so so sweaty. I got like swamp ass right now because I just finished working outside with Juan Borta, who's who's fighting this weekend. And I forgot that I'm not in fighting shape. So he's like, yeah, well, we'll just run a nice slow pace. And he just takes off. I'm like, ah, damn. All right. (laughs) Just go, you know? So it's, yeah. I'm all sweaty. Let's do this. Well, hey, well, the the, cam- the camera's only you know chest high, so if you want to yeah, air anything <laughs> out, yeah. <laughs> the A side turns That's into hey, hey. Anyway, Shorty, you know the drill. We've been getting questions. We've talked flyweights a little bit so far. You weren't here for the question, want, but I'll want... ask you: How can UFC get more people excited about the men's flyweight division when they couldn't do it with Demetrius Johnson? The good thing is that Davidson Figueredo and even Alex Perez, even if he wins this fight, they're both, in a sense, knockout artists. Davidson Figueredo, man, he's been knocking out everyone. He's not the wrestler, but you look at his last two performances, Joseph Benavides. Luckily for Figueredo, they really, really, really banked and highlighted Joseph Benavides for both fights. You know, so automatically, even though he was technically belittled, it's kind of like Amanda Nunes versus Ronda Rousey. Even though she was belittled, she was the victor towards the end of it. Now everyone's like, damn, this is awesome. Like, who is this guy? Because we knew nothing about him, and he destroyed the, the person that they were highlighting. But then you look at Alex Perez. If Alex Perez wins, he's the very first champion in the Contender Series. The UOC is going to boast incredibly about him and then try to pick up more talent in the Contender Series. So, you know, it's a win-win for this fight, and that's why it is a main event, even over the women. Valentina Shevchenko, the best, you know, woman flyweight in history. But, um... You know, when it comes to getting them excited for every other fight, like Brandon Moreno or Formiga, which sadly he got released, which is really, really crazy, um, or any of these other guys, that's the hard part. I don't see them – I see them putting them on maybe like the very first fight in the main card or maybe the second to last fight in the prelims, but um, that that's the hard part, and that's something that I can't even really figure out. Like, oh, how are we going to figure – you know, I really boast about Brandon Moreno is probably the next guy coming up that's – Super wild, super entertaining. What What is the other guy from Colorado? I think, believe he's from Fanny Brandon Royval. Brandon Royval. Yeah, he's he's just like Brandon. He's Marino's awesome. Style where he just he just has fun. He does his thing. So those are two guys they can really really highlight and boast about because they're fun and exciting. They both know jujitsu. They both know the stand up game, and they're both just trying to put on a show and having fun in between the rounds as well. So and even their interviews are pretty fun. So 
that's a good thing. Brandon Moreno's learning how to really promote himself when it comes to the Latin American um, mm-hmm. culture as well, and you know all the Spanish speakers out there. But when it comes to highlighting the rest of the division, that's that's the hard part. It's great that now the fans are like, oh, flyweights, we care about them, we're gonna watch them. To where now they could be a main event for for a two title <clears throat> fight show, which is great. The problem is, how are they going to highlight the rest of the division? I I don't know. I think moving forward, just the fact that like after this fight, the fact that there is conversation over who's next, yeah, I think is a good thing because we're kind of entering that territory where there's like both Brandon's. We got Brandon on Brandon, Rivella Moreno. We got Manel Cape and Pantoja, which that fight absolutely rules coming up. And then you got got Asker Askarov out there who had who fought Brandon Moreno to a draw. I wish they had run that back instead of Brandon on Brandon, but I get it. And then you got Cody floating around out there. So I think mm-hmm. moving forward, we're going to have a lot of fun flyaway scraps uh, on the horizon. And, of course, Kai Car France, who is, is his teammate at yeah. City Kickboxing. He lost to Brandon Ravel. He's not out of the picture whatsoever because, you know, the UFC really wants to push City Kickboxing. So I think it's a uh, – I think the <laughs> UFC flyaway division uh, is in a better place than they've been in a long time. They, they're they easily in the best opinion. place. I, I was literally talking about it earlier at Juan Puerta. I was like, man – it's crazy how when I got signed, they weren't trying to sign people because they were kind of like whatever in the division. And then when I made the post about Demetrius Johnson, that's when I got released. That's when Jared Brooks got released. That's when Justice Coggins, everyone started being, you know, diminished. And it was like Thanos snapping his finger. Everyone slowly started disappearing. And now there's literally less than half the division left. And then the only person that I believe that got re-signed was Brandon Moreno, which, hey, man, like I'm, I'm happy for him. But then you look at all the other guys that have been signed and usually been last minute or sign for less money than the original possible 10 on 10 or 12 on 12 contracts that the male flyweights were receiving. So it, it's a little bit different, but it's nothing but win for the UFC because now they have to pay less fighters. They have to pay less for these new fighters and all these new fighters are like, yeah, I'm in the UFC. Let's try to work our butt off to put on an amazing show. And so far everyone's doing it. So now the fans are behind the flyweight division, which is amazing. A little too late, too soon, you know, type of thing, but you know, rather late than never. So Right now, they are 100% in a way better place than, than what was expected, where now there's no flyweights. Again, we have, what, 15, 16 guys now? Yeah, we have enough for a full ranking Yay! Right maybe, 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 maybe a 20, 20 uh, fight roster. Yay, finally, go. we're going back up. I think they, re- I think they, was Louis Smolka one of the ones they re-signed? He got released, right? Yeah, he got he released. Fought he, a he, he came back to 35, though. He isn't going to. He came back with the bantamweight. Yeah. Which, which, yeah, which, which, again, that that made me hate a little bit on him because, then again, it's nothing against Lewis Smoker, but Lewis Smoker lost four in a row, and then gets did. cut, and then almost like two months later gets re-signed at one thirty-five. A lot of us flyweights were like, "Dude, it's okay, I'll fight one thirty-five." They're like, mm, "Nope, sorry, you're cut." And then there was a handful of flyweights that were like, "You know what? We do like you. We'll allow you to bump up, and then maybe if the flyweight division slowly starts to get better in popularity, we'll let you move back down." So there was only a select few that they let happen. Me, obviously, they're like, ah, yeah, get out of here. Who cares if you had another uh, uh, a belt at 135? No one cares about it. So it's giving them hating a little bit. But again, it's the connections and the people you know, and then it becomes a little political. So it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> Flyweight's rule, though. I think, I think, I think, I think it's the answer. Yeah, I think it's the answer to every question. Uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is our next question, Casey? From Daniel Pompilio on Twitter. Pitbull keeps murdering people over at Bellator. Yes, he does. Is he the best 145 on the planet? I can see him taking out Volkanovski. So, yes, Shorty, I'm sure you saw. I watched it. Casey watched it. Patricio Pitbull, who, in my opinion, is the greatest Bellator photo of all time. I know uh, Douglas Lima is there. Uh, I'd put him right there. Obviously, Michael Chandler's in the UFC now, but you got to put him on the list. But in my opinion, Patricio Pitbull is the greatest Bellator fighter who has ever lived. But do you think he's the best 145-pound fighter on planet Earth, regardless of promotion? Shorty, I'll start with you. I do because he has gone against some of the best competition right now. Volkanovski, the champion, hasn't defended the belt. So, you know, bes- or I guess besides Max Holloway, you know, there's not really much to say after that. You know, he needs to be tested against other guys. You know, Pitbull has been tested. He's been through the ringer. I would love to see him do cross motion stuff, maybe a rising again, maybe the UFC one day. I highly, highly doubt it. You know, Swallows of Pride and does a cross promotion thing, but, you know, the UFC is number one for a reason right now, so they don't need to try to possibly, in a sense for them, belittle themselves to go to a possible smaller promotion uh, to get any type of publicity or say that their champions are better for whatever reason, because, 
I think if they did a cross promotion with Bellator and Bellator Fighters won, it would look really, really bad in the UFC and start to put up some fame for Bellator. So um, I would love to see some cross promotion stuff. I don't see it happening, but I believe Pitbull is easily right now the best featherweight in any any promotion. I was talking, we, we talked about it on Between the Links, and we were like going down the 145 pound rankings in the UFC. I wouldn't favor him. I think it would be pretty 50 50 against Volkanovsky, Holloway, Ortega. But after those three, I would probably favor Pitbull over the rest of the UFC rankings. I, I know you got like Zombie, it would be pretty close. But they both train at the same gym at Fight Ready, so I'm kind of not putting them in that category. Um, but yeah. And also, in my like, let's not forget he's a champ, champ. He's also the lightweight champ at Bellator. I think he's a natural bantamweight, honestly. If you see him standing next to featherweights, and he has a win over Juan Archuleta already at featherweight. Mm-hmm. Juan Archuleta is now the bantamweight champion. I think Pitbull could be a triple champ at Bellator because he is by no means a big featherweight at all. But Casey, your opinion mm-hmm. on where Patricio falls in the 145 pound world? If you want to call him the best 45er in the world right now, I have no issue with it. No issue. I mean, Me neither. A, no, that, that's basically it. he's just he's just awesome. He's I think he's in his freaking prime right now. Mm-hmm. He is a dangerous man. Uh, I remember just a couple years ago for an open workout, he was waiting around and so he was just kind of bored. So he's just we're in a gym, so he just started you no know, just throwing some um, leg kicks on a bag, and I was just like, oh my god, he's just warming up. That is a dangerous man. <laughs> you, you, you okay? You okay, Shorty? What'd you drop there? Banana? I dropped my banana. It hit the ground. You hit the ground. Oh, five seconds. Five seconds. All right. All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. I think. uh, I mean, but 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 I just think he's he's a a great fighter, and um, yeah, I would. Like I don't know. I can't. I I can't say. No one can say. He would definitely beat Volkanovski. He would definitely beat Brian Ortega. I don't know, but without a doubt, he is extremely competitive against every other featherweight in the world. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's not. He's not going to be blown out of the water by. And yeah, enemies, yeah. 155. It's gonna be rough because he's already a small featherweight. I think he just clips Chandler at the exact right moment when they fought. They run that back. It might be 50-50. Yeah, it'd be similar to Cejudo Dillard because the fight between uh, Chandler and Pitbull was the same fight as Cejudo and Dillashaw. Pretty it much, lasted yeah. like 90 seconds, and it was one punch clipped him, and he fin- he swarmed him. So I think they fight five, mm-hmm. ten times. I think it's 50-50. Pitbull won that night fair and square. Yeah. It got overshadowed by the Douglas Lehman knocking out MVP KO. And that same night, Anderson Silva broke his leg. Volkanovski beat Aldo, and Rose got dropped on her skull. So uh, that Patricio Pitbull performance uh, got a little overshadowed. And I was—I did not like the stoppage, the Chandler <laughs> stoppage. I, th- I thought the stoppage yeah. was a little premature, but, you know. It I is, agree. It is what it is. There, I, I said, it, said it again. <laughs> all right, all right. I will say, if, if Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee meet in the finals of the Grand Prix and Patricio Pitbull just tears through him, I would have a hard time saying he's not the best featherweight in the world because that's the fight that I, that's the fight I want the most in Bellator. We, we, actually, we didn't get a question, but that, I want to talk about that. Let's talk about tonight's – is it tonight, oh, tomorrow night's fight. Tomorrow night's. Ca- Caldwell AJ versus, McKee. AJ McKee versus Caldwell. Caldwell. I Cal- it- Darren Caldwell obviously went up to featherweight after losing to Kyogo Horiguchi, a bantamweight. Uh, and now he's fighting AJ McKee, who, Shorty, I don't know if you're aware, but AJ McKee was one of those fighters that Bellator signed when he was 0 and 0, kind of like Aaron Pico. Hmm. So yeah. what's what's uh, AJ McKee's record right now? Like 15 and 0, 16 and 0. So he's on a he's on like a 16, yeah. 17 fight win streak, and they've all been in Bellator. So he has the record for like longest win streak in Bellator history. Maybe the most wins ever be between him and Pitbull. Talks a lot of greasiness at Patricio Pitbull. They almost got in a fight at a media day we were at. They're on opposite ends of the Grand Prix. The only way they'll fight is in the finals, $4 million. I think that is the biggest fight Bellator can put on right now, and I'm kind of glad they're on opposite ends of the Grand Prix, but I still wish I, – I'd still – it's risky because Darren Caldwell is an unbelievable fighter. And he's great. Darren, it's crazy because Darren Caldwell, when he was Bantamweight champ, there was actually a good possibility – that I was going to fight him. There's there's a chance of signing you with the UFC or Bellator, and I was like in the middle. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll sign with Bellator. Why not? And then they denied me. Anyways, uh, Darian Caldwell, just with him, man, he's extremely scary because, one, he's super freaking long. It's ridiculous how long he is. No matter what weight class he is, he's probably going to be the longest guy. 
And two, once he gets on top of you, he might not be doing extreme damage after round one, like, for example, the Kyoji Horiguchi fight. But once he's on top of you, there's almost no game back up. So it's one of those things that if you do get back up, that is extremely exhausting for AJ McKee. I don't know much about him, and I don't know who he's fought, you know, the who's who. But against Darren Caldwell, a former champion, going for another bout a different weight class, like, you're fighting the best of the best. And now, Darren Caldwell being at the weight class that I believe he should be at and he should have been at his entire career because 35, man, he just didn't have the gassing. Again, you watch those fights against Kyoji Horiguchi. He was just exhausted after the first round. That was me and wrestling back in college because I was doing the weight cuts wrong. So it's one of those things that being at featherweight, that's 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 a scary, scary fight. No matter who Darren Caldwell is going to fight, that opponent it has to be ready to be on the ground and work his butt off uh, and, and be, able, be able to attack on bottom, just like Kyoji Horiguchi did. Yeah, it, this is this fight, to me, is what the... Because I favor Patricio Pitbull so heavily against Pedro Carvalho, and that's not a knock on Pedro Carvalho. I just think Patricio Pitbull is on another level. Caldwell A.J. McKee is two fighters in their prime who talk a lot of greasiness, are very colorful characters, and they just happen to be exceptional. Two of the best fighters on the Bellator roster. I think it's a lot more close to a 50-50 than any of AJ McKee's other fights before because uh, you said you did, you weren't aware of who he had AJ McKee had fought up until now. So he just tapped Derek Campos in the third round in, what was it, December, if I'm not mistaken. Before that, he fought Georgie Carcanyon. It was like the round-robin part of the eight, Grand Prix. Eight in seconds. eight seconds. He knocked him out in eight seconds. Uh, and that was after uh, when they did the stare down, George was like, yeah, I used to beat up your dad in training camp or something like that. And yeah. AJ McKee was just like, all right, guy. And then he knocked him out in eight seconds. Before that, Pat Curran, Justin oh, Lawrence. So it's like he's taken every fight he's had has been another step up, step up, step up. So he's not going, he's not fighting cans like a lot of people no, complain no. about. Him. He's getting a, every fight he takes is another step up in competition. And he continues to win and win impressively. So this fight rules this fight rules if it was if it was last week it would still like last week we talked about who has the better card between ufc and bellator even if this card was last week it would still be better i would still be more excited for mckee caldwell than felder dos Anjos. i think mckee's one of those guys that i don't think he's lost a round in his career either maybe very Not early sure. but, but like yeah. at least in his last like 10 fights he, like everything's been it's, it's been domination um from standing to, to every aspect of this every aspect too so, he had he fought on the same card as his dad Antonio. So AJ and Antonio McKee fought on the same card, and they cornered each other, even though they both fought. Yeah. So like Antonio fought on the prelims, and his son was in his corner, and then they just swapped places, and then they fought in like the co-main event or something like that. Yep. It was good times, good times. Yeah, anyway, yeah. just want to talk about that fight a little bit because it's awesome. Yeah, now, that fight is now, so fun. Now, now, let's talk about the real featherweight goat. So who's got the stones to step up to the plate? Korean Zombie, I know you won't ignore a meaningful challenge. Is that Oh, that's Ryan Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Hall tweeted this. <laughs> I, it, the, it was cut off at the top yeah, of the yeah, so, sorry, sorry. Uh Obviously, Jose Aldo is at bantamweight now. Frankie Edgar is at bantamweight. Is that Josh Emmett? He seems to be hurt. Yeah, well, I don't know why. Well, why so is Dan Ige crossed out? Well, let's just talk about this. It's like, well, so, so apparently Ryan Hall is... He's he's ready to start talking that. Sorry, you, you can't can you see can you see Jose here? You see that? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to cover you up, Jose. Uh, shorty, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, <laughs> but um, man, but look at Ryan Hall. Like he's 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 gonna start playing the game. It looks like, like I'm gonna talk my greasiness, you know. And I guess apparently these four fighters at the top have turned them down behind the scenes, and um, that's who's left. Two of them are a bantamweight like, now. Josh Emmett has no knee, and I, I so I would assume Dan Ige is the actual one that turned him down because yeah. the other three aren't going to be able to fight him anytime soon. I just right. feel like the guy from Home Improvement, who's the neighbor, who just gives advice yeah. on, this, on the backside of the fence, where you can't see the rest oh, of his that's face. Funny. Yeah, I like that that's right, right there. There you go. So who's next for Ryan Hall? Uh, the zombie oh, fight's man. awesome. The Jeremy Stevens fight's awesome. Holloway's are, Holloway and Cater are or out. They just got booked up. I think Zabit's going to fight Yair, so I, I'm crossing them off. Ortega's going to fight Volkanovski, so I'm crossing him off. So it's going to be between Stevens, Shane Burgos, and um, Sadiq Youssef. Those, between those. Oh, and Korean Zombie, of course. Uh, I think Stevens already accepted Giga Chikadze, so uh-huh. maybe cross him off. 
So Zombie, Shane Burgos, and Sadiq Youssef. Those are the those are the three that he would have the options of. Shorty, which one would you like to see Ryan Hall fight first? I would like to see him fight all the above. Now for for Ryan, it sucks because Ryan Hall, no one wants to fight him. His jujitsu is wow. that good. Who comes in starting with the MNR role? Thank you for moving it. Cover the <laughs> taller Jose. I mean, it would be fun to see him fight a high level jujitsu guy who as well knows MMA extremely well. And I think that would be Brian Ortega. You know, Brian Ortega is one of those guys that relies on his jiu-jitsu. Um, but this last fight against Korean Zombie, he just started to become a boxer. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. But then he shows the dangers of the guillotine. He shows the dangers of what he can do on the ground. Once he does get it there, I think him versus Ryan Hall would be one of those fights that maybe, just maybe, Ryan would have to be forced to be put into vulnerable situations and figure out something a little different. I think Ryan Hall's jiu-jitsu, because that's his, you know, that's his bread and butter, would be better. But... It would be nice to see a battle of, of you know, in a sense, combat jiu-jitsu in the UFC. Did you, do you remember Ryan Hall versus Darren Elkins when Ryan Hall became K-1-level Ryan Hall? Remember uh-huh. that fight? And he, no. I, he, he, he dropped Darren Elkins two times with kicks, head kicks. But I mean, like, Darren Elkins is kind of like <laughs> me. Like, when he sees a kick coming, he kind of goes to it. Instead yeah. <laughs> of away from it. So, like, we have no head movement. Like, there's a reason. Like, you can't be like, oh, dude, the guy with the word damage on his chest got dropped. It's unbelievable. It's like, no, yeah, it, it makes nothing but sense. So, you know, I think I think against Darren Elkins, anyone's going to look good. But it doesn't mean you're going to beat him, if that makes any sense. Like, I know, I know, I know exactly. You're gonna, you're, Darren Elkins, is some, every one of his fights, and honestly, he's just like me, every one of his fights, he's going to be the one getting damaged. But it does not mean he's going to lose. You know, so... He won his know, last fight. going to look good against him stand wise Yeah, yeah, exactly. He won, he won his but last fight. Just, looked like he fell he down a mountain. Good. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, it's, he's like, <laughs> his, his skin is just as sensitive as mine. Or like, you get flicked, and out of nowhere, it's like, you know. So, Darren Elkins is one of those guys that, like, he goes to the hospital to get surgery, and they're like, oh, my God, what happened? I got into a fight. But I won, though, and how's the other guy? And he looks like freaking uh, Sage Northcutt after he got knocked out and, like, eight fractures in his face, like a freaking Kendall. You remember when uh, Ryan Hall fought Gray Maynard and he kept throwing that sidekick, that Wonderboy sidekick the whole fight, and it visibly just took Gray Maynard completely out of the fight? Because he kept trying to blitz him, and then he'd get, he'd get like, his neck slapped yeah. back, and then all of a sudden he'd get stuck in, like, an Imanari roll, like uh, Shorty said. Weird time. Weird fight. Love that fight. Weird fight. Dude, I have no issue of saying that Ryan Hall is the most intimidating fighter in the UFC because every single fighter that faces him – has to change their game plan. They can't go, I'm just going to fight how I want to fight. No, you have to fight defensively against Ryan Hall. And that's why I think he is the most intimidating fighter in the UFC. Maybe outside him and Francis. But do you know what I'm trying to say, Shorty? Yeah, yeah, well, no. Well, like, honestly, Ryan Hall is just like my last and next opponent, Sean Santella, where literally they rely solely on jiu-jitsu. But anytime they do anything stand-up related, you're like, what is he going to do? Because you just don't expect it. So you kind of had those jitters or, you know, like for me, I'm more judo based. So in my last fight, I'm like trying to throw the guy and he's pulling guard and doing something like, dude, let's just play. Like, stop doing what you want to do. And I had to change my whole game because now I have to like the, the grapplers always going to have an advantage against a striker. You look at Sabuto versus Pettis and every single fight, you know, uh, that that corresponds with that. Pettis is a phenomenal stand up fighter and a high level jujitsu practitioner. But when you have somebody who's really that good on the ground that's going to control you and you know is going to go or try to take you to the ground, you always have to be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What is he going to do? I want to throw a punch or I'm intimidated. I'm scared. And you have Ryan Hall who's going to do an Imanari role. So it's one of those things that you just don't know what the hell is going to happen. And it's scary as hell. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. 
That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Oh, point. You're muted again. I'm glad you brought up Cejudo and Pettis. That's a fight no one talks about enough because Cejudo just dominated that whole fight. All right. So, but it wasn't the wasn't most that exciting. On the prelims fight. as well. <laughs> no, that. So the problem with that fight and is because it was sandwiched between that. That was on the main card. The fights around it were Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje and Ganu Overeem and Max Holloway Aldo too. So of those four fights, on including Cejudo and Pettis, of those four fights, which had the least action? Well, I, I, I give it to you, especially, yeah. Yeah. especially Cejudo yeah. back in the day. Cejudo yeah. when he first yeah. was solely just a wrestler. Well, like, I think Alvar- uh, no, yeah, Alvarez Gaethje was three rounds, and that was Justin Gaethje. Uh, I think he was coming off the loss to Poirier maybe. But, again, fight of the year candidate. Yeah. Overeem and Ganu, when Nganu decapitated Overeem, one of the greatest knockouts in UFC history. And then Aldo – Holloway was just a spectacular fight between the two greatest featherweights in the world. And then Cejudo and Pettis were just sandwiched between all that. It was an unfortunate uh, situation because, again, like Cejudo dominated that. And if Pettis had won, he would have gotten a title shot because I feel like he kept getting there and losing. Was Masvidal on that card, too? Was Masvidal Maya on that card, too? No, that was Dallas. Okay, I think I'm different. Sorry. It was was the same thing with uh, Benavidez versus Pettis. They were on the UFC Fight Pass prelims. And it was like, what? Why? This is literally number. I think at the time number two. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh there no. we go. There we lost him. Fine. Oh. And he's gone. I like that oh, story. Guy. He, yeah. was good, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. You hate. You hate to see it. You know who else is on UFC two eighteen though? Like <laughs> Teacher Torres, Michelle Watterson kicked off the main card. All right. Um, you know, we only got a few, let's see if he, if he can get back in, but we only have, uh, we have about 10 minutes left before we got to switch over to. Yes. For those stuff. of you wondering, we oh, are oh. going to stream. Hey, hey. he's back. <laughs> Am I back? You're back. You're back. All right. Sorry. My internet is so bad. And every time someone calls me, it's like, yeah, let's just mess up everything you do. Even if you deny it. But <laughs> yeah, what I was sense. saying yeah, it's yeah, it's my life. But what what I say it is, uh, it is what it is, I guess. Um, you know, Sergio Pettis and Benavides, number two and three, were on the UFC fight prelims, and mm-hmm. if Pettis would have won, he would have got the title shot. But Benavides won; he had to fight like three more times after that just to get a title shot. So it's like, damn! At that time, you know, Benavides was a gatekeeper and was even super, I guess, uh, promoted. But then again, years later, he's you know the the, the two time runner up again mm-hmm. at, at a main event, you know, so it's it's kind of weird how they they promote us small guys, but it is what it is. That was a blonde Joe B that lost uh, Sergio Pettis when he came in with the platinum yeah. blonde hair. The CM Punk show that yeah. card in Chicago. I thought I, I kind of thought oh, I, 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 I kind of thought there. Joe B won that fight. I mean, it was super close though. It was super close. Oh yeah, that was uh, you and I did the preview show for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, Shorty. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. That was that was back in my pre-MMA oh, fighting days. Good, good times. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We got to we got we got fly through some other questions. Fly through these questions. Do, 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 do. Oh, man. All right, from Terrence Leverett on Twitter: If Dana states that Habib's next fight will be a one seventy against the champ, how do you see him doing it versus Usman, the current champ, or? Gelbert with his hands and jiu-jitsu. Which fight would you like to see more? I'm just going to stop you right there. Neither fight's going to happen. All three of them are managed by managed by Ali. I don't think they're going to want to fight Habib, which is Ali's golden child right now. So I'm going to – that. none of those fights are ever going to happen. But I would favor him more against Gilbert because he's fought at lightweight than Kamaru Usman. Hmm. I would rather see him fight Usman. Just because that's just a wrestler versus wrestler, I want to see who's more dominant again—the sambo style or the make American traditional wrestling style. And then, obviously, you have Khabib's grounding power. You know, Usman's phenomenal at taking people down and holding them down, but he's not—he he doesn't Khabib people. Like he's literally hashtag Khabib yeah. Nurmagomedov 
when it comes to the ground and pound. So I think that I think it would be a more interesting fight with Gilbert because it is jujitsu, but I think that fight would end so much faster. All right. And my answer is I don't want to see Habib's retired, and I don't want to see him fight again. He's done. <laughs> nope, there no. you go. I'm putting I'm putting a one minute timer so we fly through these. <laughs> Matt Duffy on the site. Joe Rogan, an idea if Joe Rogan is returning to do commentary for the Vegas pay-per-views and have you really missed him over the course of the Fight Island pay-per-views? Personally, I couldn't care less if he comes back or not. With guys like DC Felder and Bisman doing the color commentary, I just find all the more knowledgeable. I find them all the more knowledgeable about the sport with with just as much personality. <laughs> I do not know if Rogan's returning. I assume he's going to return for the Vegas card, but I did not miss him on the Fight Island card. Not that I heard him because I was there live, so I didn't hear it. But I think DC Bisman. And Felder are much better in the year of our Lord, 2020. I think he's a great commentator and he's fun. He's interesting. But let's give it to the fighters. You know, these fighters are trying to make a living. These fighters are trying to do their thing outside the box, like myself commentating. It is a huge thing, a huge opportunity. And it gives us a different source of revenue. And plus, our knowledge inside the cage is probably that much better than Joe Rogan's. I don't, I don't miss Joe. I don't miss Joe Rogan. I don't miss him. I think I think I think during the during the during the middle era of UFCs, like UFCs, like those middle paper like UFC fifty, UFC fifty five. You know, I think Rogan was perfect for that time because he really educated the audience about grappling and like how much it sucks and how much you know maybe the parts that you thought were boring or it was actually exciting. He he did a great job of that. But I think we're past that, and I think it's time for like guys like DC and Felder and Dominic Cruz. Do do do. Joe Mulkin on Twitter. What is the main reason the upcoming pay per view card for the? What is the main reason for the upcoming thin pay per view cards for the UFC to end the year with the welter with the women's featherweight title fight cancellation? The top of the card was a bit lackluster for a usually high profile show. This Saturday's card also lacks star power. Well, the def- What is the definition of star power? Like you're not going to get Conor McGregor on every card. Also, the like a lot of the other champions have fought recently or have fights coming up. So I just think we're in a point in time where this happens every year where there's just not a lot of quote star champions that are available, but shorty Casey, what do you think? Well, with the COVID, you know, it's, you take whatever you can get. Sadly, again, 2020, it is what it is. But with this weekend's card, you have two title fights. You have both flyweight champions going up there and you have both of them being knockout artists. So when it comes to star power, it might not they might not be as popular as Amanda Nunes or Conor McGregor or any other champion right now per se, but you have one that's literally the best in her division ever creating history, and you have the other one that's, in a sense, re-highlighting the flyweight division, and it's a main event over the best flyweight fighter in women's division. So overall, I think it's kind of star power enough towards the end of the year. Happy Thanksgiving. I think there you to, go. to make stars, you have to put them on big pay-per-views, so... Before there were stars, they were just fighters. So this is what you're watching. You're watching future stars this Saturday night. Yeah. Do do do. Uh, how much time we got? All right, gotta go. This is a this is a very important one. <laughs> Joseph Boza, Yancey Medeiros tweeted a story that was in the middle of getting lucky when Usada showed up. What was the craziest Usada story you guys heard from an MMA athlete? Short. I don't know if you heard this. Yancey Medeiros was apparently having fun times with. His wife, girlfriend, I'm not quite sure what his personal situation is, but he was having fun times in, in the, bed. In the living room, right? A, in the living room, I guess, with a female, and USADA knocked on the door. So, of fighters you've been around, what's the craziest story you've heard? Um, Wasn't there someone who said, like, a fake USADA came to his house, took his yep, blood? Yep, that was Danny Gay. Like, that's... That's pretty messed up. I mean, I haven't heard anything from American Top Team. I know I was personally tested like five times, three of them in one week when I fought Alex Perez, which I didn't know if that was a compliment or it looked like I was on to whatever the case may be. Um, I was like sniffing my nose, walking. I was like, what? Sorry. Um, but it's – I haven't heard anything. I haven't had any crazy stories. But, man, those USADA meetings, they suck. They really, I've heard, really suck. I've heard three. Tim Kennedy pulled a gun. On a USADA uh, <laughs> like agent or whatever because who, he didn't know who he was. Who doesn't Tim Kennedy pull a gun right. on? Yeah, right. Yeah, and again, like yeah, he does that for the pizza delivery. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's right. a handshake. Yeah, Tim Kennedy pulled a gun on one of them. Uh, Conor McGregor was on a yacht in like the middle of nowhere, and a USADA agent like showed up like on a boat. And uh, who hasn't been Tyron, on a yacht? 
right, right. The right. And then Ty- Tyron Woodley said that I think it was a Super Bowl weekend where he was still the champion at the time. He was going to like some event with like Snoop Dogg and a bunch of other famous hip hop artists, and he was like one of the premier athletes that was going to be there. And you saw it, gave him a heads up, like, "Hey, we're on our way to where you are now. So if you're going anywhere, stay where you are." And then got stuck in traffic, so he had to wait for them. And he missed uh, like a huge payday to be at like this hip hop festival or whatever because he had to wait for USADA. I remember that one too. Those are the three I've heard. How about the John Jones story? He he confessed to himself. He <laughs> oh, was hiding under the cage. Yeah, for weed. Although it wasn't you saw it was pre USADA. I yeah, think it was, it was actually it was, it was um yeah the commission. But at that point they were checking for weed and you could have lost the fight for weed back then, which you can now. But maybe not. I don't know. But um he claims it was because he's. He just he just um smoked a blunt that night so, but um I would I'd like to share a, a funny uh, Usada story, uh on a on a one a recent an Anderson Silva fight. After the weigh-ins, I went to the restroom, and when I went to the restroom at the same time, Anderson Silva and the commission people came in to do a piss test for him, so they're in the stall right next to me, and this is Anderson Silva, so he's just like being Anderson Silva and the whole time he's just yelling I can't pee pee I can't pee pee <laughs> so, and they're just like sir sir you you, you need to go and he was just kind of laughing make you go I can't pee pee for the for the um, Dude, you saw the guys they they get super close like even if you're not yeah, there's... intimidated by peeing in public like they're literally like let's say the camera is your wiener in the cup they're literally like Let's see. You, yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, okay. No, you, can you do it? Can you do it? Yeah, you should be good. It's like, <laughs> hey man, um, you you should be good. Like, yeah. Like, wait, wait. Oh, man, do, do, shy, yeah. Does you actually? Do, do they actually have? Do they look at? Are they like looking yeah, at no, it? Like they like coming straight coming straight from the source. Not like you don't hand them a cup. Yeah. Yeah, they don't, they don't, you, you literally don't do like the cup and turn around and try to pee because they're afraid you're going to have like some, uh, Visine bottle or something in there to like pee fake water or, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. fake pee or whatever the case may be. They literally are like, no, show me the penis. Let's see it come out. That's a beautiful stream. Oh, you're really dehydrated, huh? Like they literally are just looking at you the entire time and you're just like, I just want to let you know. You're ruining my confidence here, and I'm getting really, really shy. <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's it's bad. What was the Cody McKenzie story? Remember that one? What? <laughs> Cody McKenzie. I think he. It was. I think it was a urine test, and they wouldn't like provide a badge or. Something. I know Alex Kaylee would know all the details on our site. Like, they didn't provide a badge immediately, or they were being weird. So he didn't want to do it, and then they went, wanted to watch him pee. He's like, "Yo, this is." This is sexual misconduct because you're trying to watch me pee and I have no idea who you are. So he wanted to sue the agent for like sexual misconduct or whatever because he didn't know who he was and he kept trying to ask him to take his pants off and pee in a cup. But that's Cody McKenzie's story. Well, that, that's pretty much what it is. And I mean, I get it because like even at college, we used to cheat all the time for the NCAA uh, hydration test. We used to hide like Visine bottles. We either like fake hydrated piss or, you know, somebody else's like hydrated piss or we'd grab like pee and put a little water in there. So we just like squeeze it in there. But you would just see the dude's back and the urinal. But we'd be hiding the Visine bottle in our underwear and just kind of like squeeze it in there. And like, okay, like no one could see. But USADA's like, no, we're coming in there with you. All right, let's see this. I'm like, all right, come on. Yeah, and they just, it doesn't matter if you're out there for like five minutes or 30 seconds. Like, they're going to wait until you finish peeing. Do, you, do they maintain eye contact? No, there is no eye contact. It'd be be weird otherwise, yeah. It's straight down. I am the prize, right? Okay. Like, 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 (laughs) they're literally like looking down, doing this. Are you good? Any time now, buddy. You know, like, they're just, it's bad. It's it's so intimidating. I think we're good. Anytime, anytime, anytime they stare at me, I was just like, I do that whole Friday after next. I'm like, it was cold that night. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny well Casey we're out of time right yeah, yeah. 
we're gonna end it on USADA peeing in a cup talk because we got UFC media day. Shorty's got to get out to Brazil, uh, Brazil, Dominican Republic to do all kinds of Dominican Republic things. Probably has to take a shower after running swamp ass, like you said. Uh, but Shorty, anything you want to say? Anything you want to plug? I know you got a whole bunch of foundations you'd like to talk about. Um, I do want to say the Team Shorty Foundation next week on Tuesday already all sold out. I was able to donate. 100 meals sponsored by eclean chicago to the youth rose uh, foundation literally in 10 minutes 100 meals were already gone so uh november 24th on tuesday next week i'll be doing the food drive and i'm hoping that next year it gets so much bigger that maybe we get up to a thousand meals so i'm really happy team shorty foundation please follow on all platforms and we can do well together with our team shorty thank you so much guys well said shorty casey anything you want to say before we sign off everything shorty said wear a mask wear a mask stick around for ufc media day see you next wednesday we're out you're listening to the vox media podcast network with the nba finals around the corner you can bet with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code vox mma that's code Vox MMA for new customers to get a no sweat bet up to fifteen hundred bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Or in West Virginia, visit one eight hundred Gambler net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, twenty one and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 